Well, I don't know if you have any birthdays in your family in February. February for me every year is a really expensive month because it's my wife's birthday, it's my daughter Zoe's birthday, and of course it's also Valentine's Day. So I love February, it's always really fun, it's just always really expensive as well. My daughter Zoe turned eight this last week and Zoe loves princesses and unicorns. She loves dressing up and doing fancy things. So we took her to the Cheesecake Factory to have a really fancy family dinner. She wanted everyone to dress up. There's Zoe in front of the Cheesecake Factory sign. Here's kind of a close up so you can see exactly how Zoe dressed in her princess dress. She's got her unicorn horn. She's got her magic wand there. And I don't know if this happens to any of you. We've got three kids who are all elementary age. So after we order our food, they tend to get a little bit restless. So usually I'll take them one at a time by the hand and just kind of do a lap around the restaurant so they can get some wiggles out. So when I was walking around the restaurant with Zoe, oh my goodness, you would have thought I had a celebrity with me. Every single table we passed, people would stop and say, they they would talk to her and they would point at her and they'd say, oh, how cute. I mean, it was such a blast. This is such a fun age. But there was another thing going on at the birthday dinner that I'll be honest with you guys about. You know, we've got two other kids and one of them, I'm not going to say which one. Okay, this is part of my contract with you guys. If I'm going to tell these stories about my kids, then when one of them is bad, I can't tell you which one and you can't try to figure out which one, okay? That's our deal. Shake on it, okay? So one of the other two was suffering from this thing called jealousy. Like, why did Zoe get to pick where we eat? Why does Zoe get presents? Why is it all about Zoe? And we're like, because it's her birthday. But that just didn't seem to be getting through. And so this, this one was just not really into it, not really thinking about others. And at one point I looked across the table to Mel and I said, Mel, I am so glad we're paying with a gift card. Cause if I was paying out of pocket, I would be furious right now. Isn't that amazing how one person with a rotten attitude can just kind of ruin a great time. But here's the thing. I tell you that story knowing that every single one of you with kids or grandkids, you've been there. That's normal. This is how humans work. They get jealous. And here's what I've learned. If you really care in a relationship, you will find yourself frustrated at moments. That's just totally normal. In fact, I would suggest in all your relationships right now, if there's no frustration anywhere, that you're probably tuned out and not emotionally connected to the people in your life. If you're really aware of how you're making them feel and how they're making each other feel, there will be times when you're frustrated because you're like, I'm doing my best, why is this not working? Or why does that person have to be so selfish? This is a very universal, normal frustration. Maybe it's in a dating relationship that you have right now. Maybe you're married and it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your in-laws that there's frustration a brother-in-law or a father-in-law or uh, some neighbor even. Sometimes with neighbors, we get frustrated. Sometimes it's with our kids, with our grandkids. Sometimes it's with our coworkers where you didn't choose to do life with this person, but you know, five or six days a week you are and there's frustration there. So here's our question today. How can you get what you want out of the relationships that matter to you? Did you know that God cares about this question? The relationships in your life, God cares about them. God doesn't want you living in constant frustration. 
God wants to help you. He wants to see you thrive. Now, you can't control other people and their brokenness, but you can control yourself. And so if I could answer this for you today and give you a really simple way to get the most out of the relationships that matter to you, would you wanna know the answer? In fact, the answer is so encouraging, it's so simple, it's something you can do today that I want you to pick one relationship in your life, pick one person who you're gonna apply this answer to. And we find the answer in the word of God in Philippians chapter two. Now let me say this, Philippians chapter two is the playbook for relationships. When you watch the Super Bowl today, you will see that on the non-throwing arm of the quarterbacks, there's a little flap there, and sometimes they look at it, that's their playbook. It summarizes all their plays as a team. Philippians 2 is your playbook for relationships. So especially parents of young kids, not a bad idea to just tattoo Philippians 2 right here. (laughs) So next time you're on vacation and you're like, why did we spend all this money to be mad at each other? Philippians 2. Next time you're at your anniversary dinner and it should be romantic and wonderful, but you're in a fight. Philippians chapter 2, right? (laughs) Philippians 2 is where we go. Now, the whole chapter is awesome. I'd encourage you uh, to read it today. If you don't yet have a life application study Bible, we'll give you one at our Connection Corner today. You can read the whole chapter this week, but I'm going to look at two verses. Let's start in verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. What is that? Well, ambition is what motivates you. Selfish ambition is when you're motivated very simply by what will please me, what will make me happy, and I don't really care about anyone else because I just care about what will please me. Also, don't do anything out of vain conceit. What is that? Well, I want to look good and feel good. doesn't really matter how anyone else looks or feels. Instead, in humility... Consider others as better or more important than yourself. And then verse four says this, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now this one verse, verse four, this would solve 99% of the fights that happen between my kids, right? If, If the two kids who are in a disagreement, if each of them would look not only to their own interests, but to the interests of the other, it would solve almost every single one of their fights. In fact, after we got home from the Cheesecake Factory, my wife and I were talking. And we were discussing this reality that, yeah, there's some discipline and there's some things we could do to that one child who was jealous to kind of manipulate them so that they're nicer and sit still and smile. But that wouldn't really solve the whole problem because the real problem is in the heart. The real problem is a person who says, I don't care about someone else, even on their birthday. I only care about me. You know what God calls that? Sin. And you know how God deals with sin? The only way to get rid of it is through a relationship with Christ. And so this very simple command in Philippians 2, the only way to really live it out is by saying, God, I acknowledge that inherently I think about myself more than anyone else. And for this relationship that I'm struggling with to go well, I'm gonna need your power to, God, will you help me to love this person and think about them more than myself? And so that's our challenge as parents, is to not just modify the behavior, but to walk that child through that understanding and say, will you pray to God and ask him to change your heart 
Ask him to help you love others as much or more than you love yourself. Now, we can all look at this and say, yeah, if kids would do that, they'd stop fighting. But here's the reality. This is also the root issue in our marital disputes and in our workplace disputes. If we would consider others and look to their interests, how much it would solve. Well, Philippians 2, I encourage you to read the whole chapter because really it lifts up Jesus as the model for relationships. You see, Jesus, he's almighty God and he humbled himself to come to earth. It wasn't comfortable. He left the comforts of heaven. He'd never been sick. He'd never been tired. He'd never been hungry. He'd never been lonely. And he came down to our planet where he experienced all those things. Not only did he humble himself like that, but he also humbled himself by taking on a human body with its limitations, that we have to sleep at night and and that we get tired. And then he humbled himself even lower when he said, I will take upon me your shame, your guilt, the consequences for your mistakes. And at the cross, he took that upon himself. He died to reach you. This is how much he just continually humbled himself. Not only did he die to reach you, but he died the most shameful and the most painful death that was possible. And so Philippians 2 says, Jesus is the model. Give yourself away sacrificially to bring life into your relationships. And Philippians 2 ends, by the way, by saying that Jesus will be worshiped for all of eternity. Every tribe and tongue and nation will gather around him and declare he's king of kings and Lord of lords. In other words, that constantly reducing of himself in humility ultimately leads to his great glory, his greatness. You could summarize the whole chapter with this simple phrase, forget yourself into greatness. Put others above yourself and it will make your relationships great. Think of others more highly than yourself and it'll make your relationships great. Well, this is one of those truths that we say, okay, John, I get it logically. I mean, yes, if I were to treat all the people in my life like they were more important than me and just say, I'm here to serve you, what do you need? I understand that, John but how in the world could I possibly do that? And by the way, John, you don't know how smelly and disagreeable some of these people in my life are. So to answer the question of how do we actually do this, I wanna show you my final interview with Ben Utech of the Indianapolis Colts. And if you're taking notes, just keep taking them because you're gonna hear a lot of really significant wisdom in here, very practical things that if you will do them, they'll enable you to do this. Let's take a look. This idea of doing what God has called you to with, with all you have as unto the Lord. Um, what does that look like for a dad? What does that look like for a husband? What does that look like as, as parents for, for different kinds of people? Well, you know, family is a is a go-to acronym in football. Mm. And the acronym for family is forget about me, I love you. So I think one answer to that question is the radical power of selflessness. Mm. Right? You know, one of my other life verse, verses Acts 20 24, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me, right? 
that I might finish the, the task, the, finish the race of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. But, but, but he starts that with the foundation of selflessness, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, uh, you know, that when, when, you, when you die to yourself, when you're able to hand over all control, yeah. The things that c- can happen are are really miraculous, and I, I think whether it's on the football field, or whether it's or whether it's me communicating with my four daughters, mm-hmm. um, the best communication comes out of a of a heart yeah. that has surrendered yes. and is leading through selflessness, yeah. right? Because it's when I consider my life worth nothing. Mm-hmm that they actually experience Jesus the most through me. And that's, you know, that's a goal. I don't, listen, I'm not perfect at that goal. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, but I think it's, it's a truth that we need to hold on to um, and strive for uh, because we're capable of it. Yes. Well, I love it that you're a dad. I love it that you've got four girls. Yeah. Tell us about some of those. <laughs> I know for all of us who are parents, I mean, being a parent is one of the most selfless callings in life. And uh, tell us just some of those daily moments with your four girls where oh, you've got to kind of tidy yourself to, to love them and put them first. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am very challenged by, by Paul's um, request that we... Uh, are content in all situations <laughs> because it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I have asked myself internally um, a number of times, you know, why, why all girls? Not because I am not overly blessed by it, but, but I think that there's a very specific way that you communicate uh, very uniquely between between girls and and boys and you know I I I feel like I because I was raised in an environment that um, celebrated vulnerability, mm-hmm. uh, which is I think unique for men um, and a challenge for us. Yeah. Um, but because I grew up in it and I practiced it, it has really given me a unique platform with these girls. So I think you know some of my most favorite moments every day are these vulnerable moments mm-hmm. where I feel like I really um, connect with them on an emotional level. Yeah. And, and that, that only comes through selflessness. It comes through challenging myself to be a champion listener, mm. which is so critical um, because it's really the only way you truly begin to understand. Yeah. And, and so, um, and then you just have, you, you just have moments where, you just have to throw your hands up because there's nothing you can do. No language that you yeah. try to use um, makes any sense, right? Because the drama is so is so thick. But it 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 um, it's taught me more about myself as a man than than ever before because of how high the bar has been raised. Yeah. Uh, because I know that I'm I'm kind of the first line of defense. I'm the first example of what a man is mm-hmm. to all of them. And, and that's um, a mantle that I want to be successful at. Because yeah. hopefully the example that I lead with empowers them in their future dating choices. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. and that's just a, 
another area that I have to surrender to the Lord. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> you know, sometimes I joke with our people about how hard it is being a parent. I know it's true in all stages, especially when they're you've got four under the age of 10. They're just so physically and emotionally demanding in that season. Which is harder, winning a Super Bowl <laughs> or being a parent well, to elementary age yeah. kids? I mean, physically, uh, winning a Super Bowl is yeah. harder. <laughs> it doesn't, it, you know, it hurts a lot more than yeah, right. than being a than being a parent. But I think, I think that um, being a parent, being a parent, um, it 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 means that you you have to be you have to be turned on mm-hmm. every minute of the day. There, there's not really. Uh, there's not really a moment where your parenting stops, right? And so that was that's the difference yeah. in football. There's an off season, mm-hmm. right? You had moments where you could take a deep breath. You know, you you had a game on Sunday. You come in for a half of a day on on Monday, and then you get Tuesday off uh, as the season goes on. You get Monday and Tuesday. So there there are breaks. There's there's moments for you to to say, okay, I'm not a football player today. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. Relax, but there's yeah. never that moment as a parent, yeah. right? It's right. always on. And so I think parents really need to understand that when you're constantly giving and you're constantly giving, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not intentionally filling, yeah. then what happens is, is, is we find ourselves in, in um, empty yes. moments. And those, can, those are most, in my own life, yeah. those are the moments when I fail Mm-hmm. As, as a dad, where where I lose my patience, I mm-hmm. speak in ways that are not affirming. Um, I listen poorly. You know what I mean. Oh, I, yeah. I choose not to want to learn, and I struggle with loving yeah. because I'm not I'm not doing a good job of consistently filling myself with the truth of 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 uh, of the word. Yeah. And that's why I think as parents, really staying in the word is so critical because yeah. it's it's really what's going to sustain us yes. for the long haul and this long job yeah but this 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 important job yeah yeah well i think so many people today can relate to that never having a break being depleted just running on empty yeah what are some of the practical ways in a given day or week that that you and your wife you know as individuals are together kind of refill or recharge you know, I think there are um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good that can come out of just the small things. I think for some, I think sometimes um, uh, for us as parents, we can be intimidated by you know by even the word devotional mm. because we think, well, gosh, that's that's fifteen to thirty minutes that I don't have, right? So I think you know to 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 step outside of that and and just even within the small things you know finding um those prayer moments right those yeah. prayer huddles yeah. that you can have together as a couple um are are critical make a commitment that every single night you yeah. are going to pray together yes. e- even something small like that mm-hmm. that is going to take 5 minutes of your time but is but it's a commitment that puts the lord first in your relationship in that moment um and then and then praying even through that that 
that the Lord um, provides opportunities for you to, um, you know, to uh, to do some devotional time together, to spend that time learning yeah. together, praying together, reading together. Yeah. I think is really is really fun. You know, Karn and I, we um, we uh, we read books out loud together. Yeah. And we switch off chapters, which is kind of fun. So we'll sit yes. down together and we'll be going through a book and tonight's my turn to read. And so, mm -hmm. so we read out loud and then, and then we, you know, we kind of discuss that chapter. And then the next night, you know, Karn will, will take the next chapter. And so, you know, there's just, um, there's more engagement yeah. in, in something like that, which is fun. I love it. Yeah, it's important. It. Let's talk a little, you know, there's such a stereotype in our culture that, you know, if you're a man... Uh, you know, you're tough and you don't have feelings. And the reality is all humans are made in the image of God and have feelings. And some of the deepest feelers I know are guys who look really rough and tough. Sure. And, you know, just talk a little about the reality. I mean, you're six foot six, got to be 245, 250. I don't know what you are, but you're massive. <laughs> and an NFL athlete, a Super Bowl champion, obviously a tough person. Uh, but I would guess you still have emotions like the rest of us. Oh, absolutely. How does a true man handle those? And Well, that's a great question. Um, I think I think that you you said it really well. And that is understanding that the full spectrum of the personality of God went into man and it went into woman. Yeah. Um, I was awakened to that truth um, early in my marriage, which is the realization that God poured so much of himself into the creation of man, but he emptied the rest of himself into the, into the creation of, of woman. And that really, um, that really had a, a massive effect on my marriage because when Karen speaks to me, um, I'm able now to listen to her words as if it was the Lord speaking to me because it's his image coming through her. And that's that's radically profound. And when I think about the truths that, even the difficult truths and the challenges that she's given me over our 13 years of marriage, um, you can very clearly see that it was God speaking mm -hmm. through her. So number one, I think as a man, there is masculinity and femininity mm. within the personality of God. And that, that tells us as men that we're capable of accessing mm. that full personality. We're capable of, of, of being heroic and strong and courageous. And yet we're capable of, of being very emotional and vulnerable. And, and um, that can be very, scary even for men to to think about because it's they did not grow up in that type of environment and that's not what they got from their father mm -hmm. right but the challenge is is that you were created in the image of your heavenly father right. and and he is emotional yes right and at the same time he is courageous mm -hmm. and so we get to access all god has to offer as men and we should never forget that you know because it's through using the full personality of God that we can have the greatest impact on people's lives for God. That's so good, man. <laughs> it's so good. You've mentioned a few 
parallels between being a championship NFL football team and being a healthy family. For example, I heard intentionality. Um, I heard selflessness. Are there any other things you can think of or that you want to dive deeper into where this is what gives success on the field, but it's also what gives success in a marriage? Yeah. You know, so when I, when I, you know, built my, my leadership and culture company, um, it was built off of a program called the champions way and the champions way focuses on four behavioral principles that lead to championship culture, which is what does it mean to be a champion listener, learner, language user or communicator and someone who loves and values Mm -hmm. people deeply right so there's incredible crossover from the football field into uh into the home uh into whatever corporate industry you're working in an example uh comes out of this this pillar of listening and we we uh practiced that through the huddle culture in Indianapolis, our, our, our huddle was so important because it's where Peyton Manning was able to give us all the information we needed in order to be successful on the field. And so our offensive coordinator, Tom Moore, uh, really had this belief system that I, that I, you know, like to look at as stop, look and care. Right. Stop is the act of selflessness and giving whoever is speaking the stage of speech, right? So when Peyton stepped into the huddle, everything stopped, okay? Look is the pursuit of information. It's putting down the tablet, it's putting down the phone. Whenever someone is communicating with you, pursue information, right? And we were actually graded on that on our, eva- on our game day evaluations. It's one of the reasons why we had a blue line on our helmet because it, it shows on camera exactly where we're looking. Right. So stop. Give Peyton the stage of speech. Look, pursue information. Everybody in the huddle looking at Peyton, even looking at his mouth so that we can if we can't hear, we can at least we can even see the words that he's that he's forming. And then the last was care. And that's really where empathy comes in to um, to the picture, putting yourself in the position of the one who's speaking. So when you think about life. Um, and you think about the types of conversations you have uh, in your work yeah. and at home with your yeah. wife and your children. Uh, and if you were to be able to practice stop, look, and care right. every time you had a conversation, imagine how much more clarity would come out of, out of those wow. conversations. You know, and, and so I think that there's incredible application yeah. that it happens on a football field that really can improve um, your family situation, that it can improve your work situation if you're willing to practice it. And so I try to do that to the best of my ability. I got to tell you guys how I normally mess up that stop, look, and care thing. When I'm trying really hard and and Mel's had a tough day or a long day and I take all my willpower to stop and look, And then I'll be listening and I'm actually engaged, which is a big win. And I'm thinking about what she's saying and I realize like, oh, well, if she did this, it would fix that. And then like without even thinking, I interrupt her and I'm like, hey, just do this and that and that and it'll fix it. I tend to stop, look and interrupt to fix. 
I know I'm like the only person here who does that, but I thought I would share that I'm not perfect in that way. Here's the thing, that interview with Ben, I mean, maybe next to your tattoo of Philippians 2, you, you might write like, rewatch Ben Utech interview about relationships because he gave so many things in there that sounded simple, stop, look, and care. If you were to actually do that one thing for the next week in your closest relationships, you'd see radical improvement. Well, let's talk about this acronym, forget about me, I love you. And I'm not gonna preach a whole message now, but I'm gonna give you very simply three ways to do this that we learned in Ben's interview, and these are also modeled in Philippians 2. The first is this, I need Christ's strength to give continually. The kind of selflessness that Ben described, we can't do it in our own nature. And so the, the difficult news is this, if you haven't trusted in Christ, you're gonna find yourself frustrated if you try to do this. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't believed in him yet, you can call out to him today and very simply say, Jesus, will you help me in my life? Jesus, I trust you. The moment that you call out to Jesus, that you believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins, scripture says that the very spirit of God comes to live inside you. And you now have a supernatural power source inside of you that can make you forgiving when you'd never be forgiving in your own strength. Can make you patient when you'd never be patient in your own strength. Can give you the self-control. This is one I have to exercise daily to just keep my mouth shut for a little bit and just keep listening. So the bad news is you can't do it without Christ, but the good news is you can do this with Christ. The kind of relationship that Ben described with his daughters and with his wife, you can have that kind of relationship. In fact, two chapters later in Philippians 4, verse 13, God's word says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So as a follower of Jesus, you can claim that promise when you feel like, man, God, I don't know how to be loving right now or I don't know what to do. You can claim that promise and you can say, God, you promised that through Christ, I can be the husband I need to be or I can be the employee I need to be, or the student. Well, there's a second way to live this out, and it's that the word of God, it replenishes me so that I can replenish others. Ben described in there just being depleted as a parent, and I know we all experience that, moms especially. I don't know how moms do it. I mean, you're constantly giving. So how do you replenish yourself? Well, Ben has experienced this. I've experienced it in my life that when you've got a Bible, you can understand reading just a little bit of it and saying, God, would you speak to me? Would you restore me? Then it reminds us, this is who I am. This is why I'm motivated. This is where I get my strength from and it replenishes us. Third thing is this, commit to praying together. Commit to praying together. Uh, men, I, I may have mentioned earlier that if you want to heat up your marriage, take Philippians chapter two and this week actually read it out loud to your wife. And the same is true with praying together. There's a couple in our church, a year and a half ago, they contacted me. They said, our marriage is in disarray. We've been married for a long time, but we've both been putting up with a lot of stuff and we're just kind of done. Our marriage is in disarray. I got them in touch with one of our care pastors. And about six months later, I ran into the guy and I said, hey, how's it going? He said, John, that care pastor's amazing. He said, we, we went in, we told him all our problems and he listened. 
And then, and then he gave us some things and our marriage has never been in a better spot. So I said, well, what did he tell you? I mean, what worked? You're like, what worked so well? He said, John, he gave us this one really simple thing. He said, every night before you go to bed, I want you to hold hands and I want you to pray out loud together. He said, it doesn't have to sound religious or spiritual. It doesn't need to sound flowery or fancy. But he said to me as a man, just hold your wife's hand and just say, God, dear God, here's what's going on in my life right now. Here's what I'm anxious about. Here's what I'm nervous about. Here's where I need you to provide. And he said, my prayers aren't long, but I just, I do that. And then holding my wife's hand, then she'll do the same thing. And we both listen to what's going on in the other person's heart and we connect with God together. And he said, John, it has brought passion and connection and forgiveness and patience back into our marriage. We're more in love than we've ever been from that one simple thing. So today's message is a lot like Coach Dungy with Ben Utech and those others who won the Super Bowl when they would show up at practice and he would say, here's what you gotta go do. Now, did Ben and the other athletes, did they always feel like doing what Coach Dungy said when it meant to do more sprints and to just work themselves so hard? I'm sure they didn't always feel like it. And I know some of you are watching or you're here listening and you're thinking, okay, John, yeah, that's really simple. Hold my spouse's hand and pray with them. But that's not me. I don't pray out loud. Or actually read Philippians 2. That's not me. Here's the thing. Do you want to grow or not? Do you want to see the results or not? This isn't some shame-based, you have to do this to be spiritual and for God to like you. It's none of that. God loves you. But God says, here's how you grow. Do you want that relationship to thrive? Actually pray with that person. Well, we exist as a church to help connect you to God. And I wanna give you a few other ways that you can do that, not just today, but in the upcoming weeks. One is we've got a marriage conference on March 14th. Probably the most well-known book on marriage right now is called Love and Respect. It's biblically based, incredibly powerful, has transformed thousands and thousands of marriages. The author, Dr. Emerson Egerix, will be here in this room on March 14th. So uh, mark your calendars. You'll wanna be here for that, even if you're dating or engaged. Also, we've got a parenting group, and you can text to 317-350-1996. If you text the word parenting, you can get in our parenting group. We've got lots of parenting classes and seminars. But the other neat thing about this parenting group is that it is live, it is connected on the internet. There's more than 600 parents in the group right now. And you can ask real-time questions like, hey, what are the rest of you doing with Snapchat for your 14-year-olds? You can ask any question to the other parents in our church and you can really just have a tribe and a family that's helping you parent. You also text the word marriage. If you're not yet in a small group, you can text the word group. Here's the thing, God loves you. He cares about the relationships in your life. And as we wrap up, I just want you to revisit who's that one person, that one relationship that matters to you right now, and then what's the one thing we've learned today that you'll take with you? Is it living out Philippians 2? Is it praying aloud together? Uh, if you're a dad and your kids are old enough to read, maybe it's saying, hey, at dinner time for a week, we're gonna read Philippians 2. We'll just go around the table and everyone read a few verses. It's a very simple chapter. Be a spiritual leader for yourself and the people around you. Follow what Jesus did. Forget yourself into greatness. Let me pray that for you right now.
Father, I'm so proud of each person who's listening right now that they've chosen to be intentional with their spiritual health. Lord, you've given us today really a very simple principle. Forget about me, I love you. This principle of valuing others above ourselves, of listening to them, of thinking about them more than ourselves. And we just acknowledge, God, we can't do that without you. So Lord, I pray for every person listening, if there's any who've not yet believed in you, that today they would say, Jesus, I need your help in my life. I believe in you today. Lord, for all of us, you've put relationships that matter into our lives and we each have a name or a face in our mind right now of a spouse or a child or a coworker, someone that a person's dating. And we just pray this week, would you enable us for the next seven days to live out what we've learned, to pray together with that person, to be vulnerable, to read your word or read your word together even. God, give each of us that one thing to do. Give us the strength, just like athletes in training, if it's uncomfortable to do it, knowing the results will follow, the results will be worth it. I commit these people into your hands, Lord. Love them this week. Bless them. Strengthen them to follow you this week. Strengthen us to follow you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.